without being overly dramatic, I think this week uh, it was probably the most momentous historic legal event in my lifetime occurred uh, when, uh, after 50 years, the landmark decision of Roe versus Wade was overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court. The court, in a very close decision, five to four, ruled that there's no federal constitutional right to an abortion. Uh, I want to talk about the reasoning and the basis for this opinion and what it means for other privacy-related rights in the future. And with us to break down the court's reasoning is uh, Professor Ronald Allen. He is a professor at Northwestern University School of Law. He's internationally recognized expert in, among other things, constitutional law. Thank you so much for joining us, Professor Allen. Uh, it's my great pleasure. So, can it, Justice Alito wrote in his opinion that Roe was egregious, egregiously wrong from the start. Not just a little wrong, egregiously wrong. Can you explain, as simply as you can, what his reasoning was for why Roe versus Wade was not good law? Well, you have to go back and ask what the decision in Roe versus Wade was based upon, and frankly, it's quite unclear. And that's the largest problem, frankly, with uh, with with Roe. Um, the, the court said, "Well, we can we feel there's a right to privacy that is a emanation from a penumbra of some some Bill of Rights right, but we don't know which one, and therefore abortion is legal." It's a mismatch. I mean, one of the most uh, probably disrespected cases the Supreme Court has ever uh, handed down, in the sense that no constitutional scholar justifies it as an example of appropriate constitutional decision-making. Having said that, whether to over, overturn it 50 years later is a completely different question. So Ruth, uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg had made comments the, to this effect, that while she uh, was in agreement that, that women have a right to an abortion, maybe from a moral standpoint, that the decision was really not based upon something that, that made any sense. And she suggested, I believe, what, what, actually, what was her argument? What would, what would she have uh, uh, based the right to an abortion on? Yeah, she actually elaborated on this in great uh, detail in her dissent in a case called Gonzalez dealing with partial birth abortions. <clears throat> her argument was that the court should have conceptualized the evolution of women from essentially being property, I mean, literally, actually being property, uh, to f- full personhood and, and full enjoyment of legal rights, including constitutional rights, and that, that, that Roe versus Wade was a step in that progression. And that's essentially what her argument was. The, the, the difficulty with it is that all those things were true, but those were all happening as a matter of positive law, not as a matter of constitutional interpretation. Coverture was eliminated by statute. The amendment, uh, 19th Amendment was passed to allow women to vote, civil rights actions and things of that sort. That's not to say she doesn't have a good point. I mean, she does have a good point. But whether that's adequate for a constitutional decision is a different question. So another thing that Alito said was the Constitution makes no reference to abortion and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision. You know, and again, you're, he's looking at the cold, hard, uh, the cold, hard words of the, of the Constitution. But don't we have a lot of rights that are not enumerated specifically in the Constitution? I, I'm thinking maybe the right to travel even the right to vote, is those are not enumerated in the Constitution, are they? And we still know that we have those rights from a constitutional level. Right. Well, the right to vote is pretty much enumerated in the Constitution. The right to travel is not. And by the way, you're right. The source of the right to travel is ambiguous as well. 
But look, again, I want to be clear. Uh, whether or not Roe versus Wade is correct is different from whether it should be overruled, and that's different from whether a woman should have a right uh, 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 to an abortion. But there, there's critical differences here between uh, a right to abortion and the right to travel, for example, and the right to vote. Those are things that have been integrated and integral to our society from the, almost from the beginning of time. And, you know, the right to vote a little bit more ambiguous because limited to men originally, and so on. Uh, Roe versus Wade came out of nowhere. In 1973, there was not a single state that had a statute that allowed for abortion. The history is quite clear that states could, could uh, outlaw it. There is no reference to abortion, obviously, in the Constitution. And more importantly, there's no reference to a right to privacy. If you look at the way you normally construe the Constitution, which is you look at the language, its structure, history, precedent, they all cut in the other direction. And essentially, the court just made this up uh, by a 7-2 to vote behind closed doors. That's the problem with Roe versus Wade. But again, whether 50 years later it should be overruled is different, and whether a woman should have a right to abortion is different still. And, you know, as a scholar, you know, you you parse these arguments and, and a lot of us just look at the result and, and we don't like it or we like it. And, and it's and again, what we're trying to do here on this show is to kind of really go into the analysis here um, without without bogging you down with with uh, the minutia. But you're 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 telling me that or at least you're you're insinuating that perhaps the overturning of Roe versus Wade was in error or uh, should be scrutinized more than actually going back and finding that it was a, a badly decided decision. Um, can you tell our listeners on when can the Supreme Court reverse itself and what do they have to find in order to reverse a prior precedent? So, Karen, that's a really interesting and important question. And I th- you're a lawyer, I believe. I am. You've, you've got training in these things. One of the things you find out there among the non-legally trained is that they expect the law to be a system of rules and a complete system of rules, right? There should be explanations for everything you can do, explanations for things that you can't do. It ought to be clear. Um, and your question is kind of of that sort. What are Not that you think that this is the case, but you're asking exactly the right question for your audience. What are the rules governing overruling cases? Well, there aren't any rules. Most of the law is actually quite ambiguous. Some, uh, some things that allow us to get along in life, like stopping at stop signs and paying your bills, are quite clear. But at least at this level, when you get to the Supreme Court, there, there aren't any rules. There is no rule for when you can overrule a case. The answer to your question is when five members of a nine-member majority want to overrule it, they can. It's just that simple. Now, the problem is that you can't be that cavalier if you're on the Supreme Court because you are going to worry about the Supreme Court's legacy and its legitimacy. And, and it, it's, you know, there was a really important book written many years ago called The Least Dangerous Branch by a guy named Alexander Bickel. The Supreme Court is the least dangerous branch. If the other parts of government just tell it to go pound sand and they're not going to enforce its opinions, there's nothing it can do. If it loses its legitimacy, it loses everything. So that's what constrains the justices. Now, on that score... The Roe versus Wade Dobbs debacle is really quite complicated. In many people's eyes, Roe versus Wade was the delegitimizing opinion. Well, but now maybe it's maybe you're better off with it than the delegitimizing aspects 
of the court saying we made a big, big mistake, huge mistake. Let's 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 hold on to that thought because I have to take a break. But I want to expand on that a little bit, um, and I think that's a really good point because we don't want our court flip flopping because we need some regularity and we need some certainty and some surety. And when the court flip flops, um, I think we lose that. Uh, let's let's take a break and we'll come back. We'll be talking more about overturning Roe versus Wade. We're here with Professor Ronald Allen of Northwestern University. School of Law back in a minute. We're talking to Professor Ronald Allen from Northwestern University School of Law, and we're talking about Roe versus Wade being overturned. And I guess I want to ask you, and I, there have been cases that have been overturned and issues that have been overturned by the Supreme Court. Can you tell our listeners about some important ones that have rever- where there have been reversals? Oh, sure. Uh, uh, <laughs> obviously. Uh, maybe the most uh, important were, were the substantive due process cases under, during the during the Lochner area when the Supreme Court was striking down on a regular basis um, uh, uh, the New Deal legislation that completely changed the court. In, some, in fact, some people think that was a, another constitutional revolution along the lines of, of, of the Civil War uh, in the in the. Uh, in this, my main subfield is called constitutional criminal procedure. The whole series of, of individual rights done, done by the same court, the Warren Court, that decided Roe versus Wade uh, overruled uh, prior cases like Miranda, Gideon, uh, uh, and Map are all overruled ruling prior cases. Um, I think the count is. I don't know if this includes Dobbs or doesn't include Dobbs. It's 232 cases have been overruled. So, and what, like you said, um, there it has happened. But I guess I suspect, and, and maybe this is just me guessing, that those two hundred and thirty or so reversals generally move in the in the way of progressive, uh, more progressive. So, like Brown versus Board of Education, you know, um, it, you know, it, 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 may, it made made things a little more fair in the future, right? Um, but this seems like a step backward as to as to that issue, like or even the death penalty, some of the death penalty cases where now we can't execute people who have mental illnesses or under a certain age, a little bit more into the humane and progressive side. And now we're stepping back and saying women don't have this reproductive right. Is that is that fair to say that Supreme Court really goes backward that way? Yeah, although the, the area you identified may be a counterexample, but I think it's an unusual counterexample. Uh, the court essentially ended the death penalty in 1972 right. and then resurrected it in 1976. Um, but I, I'm not sure what to make of that. Uh, the... the uh, that may that may very well be right, and mo- most of it was driven again by the Warren Court. One view of the Warren Court, um, at least if you're a, a law professor, is that the court way overreached, that they should not have been engaging in this kind of activity. And one one example you see of the consequences of it is is Dobbs, where you know if the Supreme Court doesn't provide an abortion right, that doesn't mean there isn't a right to an abortion. That means it's a decided by the political branches. I, I don't know about you or your or your listeners, but I personally do not want to be ruled by a, a nine-person committee, like a you know, commissariat or something, that makes important social political 
economic decisions by a five to four vote behind closed doors. Most issues ought to be decided in the political branches. And, and, I, and I agree with you I, and, and elected. Right. And, and I, I get it. <laughs> On the other hand, are there certain rights that are so inalienable, so is so uh, fundamental to a person's being um, that that we can't leave it to the states, we can't leave it to politicians. That our that our constitution guarantees whatever it is, whatever words that are used. I know you you you, you know you, no one wants to make things up, you know, on the Supreme Court. But is that is that a fundamental right? And that's just my question. I would be well. Right. So th- th- there's nothing in the su- in the Constitution that says the Supreme Court gets to, to decide what our fundamental right. The Supreme Court, that the traditional view of the Supreme Court is it is the interpreter of the law. The Constitution is the supreme law of the land, and what it's supposed to be doing is interpreting the Constitution in a good faith way. Now, the trouble, of course, it goes back to what we talked about before. And that is, <laughs> there aren't rules, a series of rules that tells you what those outcomes are. And so once in a while, the Supreme Court gets, you know, takes the bit in its teeth, as my dad used to say, and starts finding fundamental rights. Now, sometimes they are fundamental, like, you know, the right to travel, the right to vote. But things like abortion, it, it, there's no test that you could employ that you normally would employ in any other context that suggests it's a fundamental right. It's not in the Constitution. It doesn't affect the structure of government. It's, the history is to the contrary and so on. Now, again, I'm in favor of the right to abortion, but that's a different question from whether we should encourage the court to, to you know to become to become active in finding these fundamental rights when they are hotly contested political social or economic issues so let's uh, let's finish up the conversation by and we only have just a little bit of time here well actually we don't have any time Andrew do we no, we don't. Yeah, we're pretty much done here. Uh, thank you so much. And I, we'll be talking about it more probably uh, during the rest of the show. I want to talk a little bit about uh, what are, whether or not the right to privacy, if it topples, does it, what does that mean for contraception? What does that mean for gay marriage and those types of things? And maybe, uh, Professor Allen, you will come on our show again and talk about this very interesting topic. I would love to. Thank All you right. very much. Thank you, for, thank you for joining me this Sunday.